Good morning, everyone. Dr. Dean here. This is Free America. Fight for 1776 today, Thursday, December the 9th of 2021. Obviously, hopefully you're with the year. Um, we're going to get started today. We're just going to call this uh, our need to know segment every week because Americans need to know some of this stuff. Uh, some of these main topics that I've been hitting on, the, the proven conspiracies in the government, um, these these amendments and stuff that we've been going over, other things that I intend to go over in the future, people need to know this stuff. So very simply, we're just going to call this our need to know segment every week. And we're going to jump back on the Constitution. We're going to try to finish up the amendments today. Um, I don't think it's going to take entirely too long. We left off with the 20th, so we're going to pick up with the 21st. Uh, we'll finish that up, and then we'll come back at some point and start hitting the articles at the beginning of the Constitution, go through those, what they mean and everything, and some history on the amendments themselves, just general history that we can cover fairly quickly in one um, one somewhat quick episode. So before we get started, please remember, grab a link for today's episode or whatever episode you like, share it, text message, social media, wherever you can help me grow. I would greatly appreciate it. Give me the rumbles, the, the likes or ratings or whatever, wherever you listen, uh, help me out. Very much appreciate it. So 21st amendment, let's jump right in. Again, there's 27 amendments to the Constitution, so we're going to start with the 21st today. It repeals the 18th. So what it says, Section 1, the 18th article of the of amendment to the Constitution of the United States is hereby repealed. Section 2, the transportation or importation into any state, territory, or possession of the United States for delivery or use therein of intoxicating liquors in violation of the laws thereof is hereby prohibited. Section three, this article shall be inoperative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution by conventions in the several states as provided in the Constitution within seven years from the date of the submission hereof to the states by the Congress. So it repeals the 18th. Um, it was a 14-year prohibition on alcohol. It ended uh, December 5th, 1933. Utah had became the 36th state to ratify the 21st Amendment. <clears throat> 22nd Amendment. Section 1. No person shall be elected to the office of the president more than twice, and no person who has held the office of president or acted as president for more than two years of a term to which some other person was elected president shall be elected to the office of president more than once. But this article shall not apply to any person holding the office of president when this article was proposed by Congress and shall not prevent any person who may be holding the office of president or acting as president during the term within which this article becomes operative from holding the office of president or acting as president during the remainder of such term. This article shall be inoperative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution by the legislature of three-fourths of the several states within seven years from the date of its submission to the states by the Congress. Essentially, 
there was nothing before this really to limit presidential terms. Um, it, it just created a two-term limit. Um, that was the main, <clears throat> excuse me, the main thing that the 22nd Amendment did. Again, it the president that was in office at that time, it didn't apply to that president, uh, to the term that he was filling. Um, it was passed in 1947 and ratified in 1951. So I'm giving you a little history, uh, but there's, there's more history to be heard on these things, uh, like problems with ratification amendments that are in place that weren't really legitimately ratified, things like that. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to come back to history of. All right, the 23rd Amendment. Section 1, the district constituting the seat of government of the United States shall appoint in such manner as the Congress may direct a number of electors of president and vice president equal to the whole number of senators and representatives in Congress to which the district would be entitled if it were a state, but in no, no event more than the least populous state. They shall be in addition to those appointed by the states, but they shall be considered for the purposes of the election of president and vice president to be electors appointed by a state, and they shall meet in the district and perform such duties as provided by the 12th article of the of of amendment 12th article of amendment <clears throat> section 2 the congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation so what this means new york was the nation's capital when the constitution was ratified the capital moved to philadelphia in 1790 for 10 years it wasn't until 1800 where the district of columbia became the the seat of government. Uh, when it was first established, it had only a, a small population. Um, by 1960, the population had grown to near a million people. And the district residents had all the responsibilities of citizenship as Americans. They're required to pay federal taxes. They could be drafted. Um, yet, Citizens in other states with lower populations than the Washington, D.C. had more voting rights than those in Washington, D.C. So Congress passed this June 17th, 1960, ratified in 1961 on March 29th. It just treats the District of Columbia as if it were a state for the purposes of the Electoral College. Uh, so it gives residents the district of the district the right to have their votes counted in presidential elections, essentially. It doesn't make D.C. a state, clearly, because we're still they're, they're still trying to make D.C. a state right now. At least every few months, it seems like they, they rise up and they're like, we need statehood, we need statehood. Still happening today. Uh, it just grants the, the area, the number of electors it would have if it were a state. <laughs> All right, 24th Amendment. Section 1, the right of citizens of the United States to vote in any primary or other election for president or vice president, for electors for president or vice president, 
or for senator or representative in Congress shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state by reason of failure to pay any poll tax or other tax. Section two, Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. Twenty fourth Amendment was ratified January twenty third, nineteen sixty four. It was passed to address the injustice that prevented numerous citizens from voting. Uh, the poll tax, a state fee on voting that existed, along with literacy tests and durational residency requirements, poll taxes were used to keep low income, primarily African American citizens, from participating in elections. Supreme Court since struck down the discriminatory measures opening Democratic participation all regardless of one's ability to pay. This this amendment it's it's in the discussion of the whole voter ID thing. Uh, There are people that will suggest that requiring a voter ID is like a new form of a poll tax. And due to the 24th Amendment, you can't prohibit people from going to vote with a poll tax. They try to say that it costs money to get these IDs. When in fact, most states will offer an ID just to be able to go vote for free. Can't drive with it. You can't, you know, some states are not constitutional carry and you have to have a concealed carry. So you can't conceal carry with it. It's literally just an ID with a picture and some information for free so you can go vote to have a voter ID. Doesn't cost any money. Most recently, I've seen Georgia thrown under the bus with this. People trying to say that that Georgia is requiring uh, a voter ID, which is like a poll tax, and it, it, it disenfranchises African Americans, which, by the way, is a bit racist to say that requiring a voter ID disenfranchises African Americans. They're they're saying either a African Americans are all poor and can't afford an ID, which is you know putting all African Americans in this basket over here. That's racist. Or they're saying they're too stupid to go get an ID. Like literally, they have there have been people that say that that African Americans don't know how to go get an ID. Like they they like African Americans are not human beings who live in a modern world in the United States and they don't know how to do anything. Like they haven't gone to school and learned how to read and write. I mean, these people that say this shit are just treating them like they're they're treating them like they're slaves in the freaking 1800s. It's, it's nuts. But anyway, Georgia is, is the most recent one that I have personally seen because they passed a voter ID rule and everybody's raising cane and they're pulling up screenshots of the Georgia website where it has the price list of, of identifications in Georgia and they're trying to say, there's one of them. It doesn't say driver's license, it says just state ID or something. And it's $34, I think, somewhere around that range. And people are taking this and posting it all over social media a few months ago and saying, see, this is like a poll tax and, and this is illegal. And, you know, some people can't afford this. 
And then literally, if you go to the website, I've done it. If you go to the website that they keep screenshotting and you scroll down a smidge more, they never want to share this part, but you scroll down a smidge more. It says like voter ID only free. They, they, they either are, they're either ignoring that altogether just so that they can try to paint this narrative or they're too stupid to scroll down and look another one or two lines down. They find what information they think they want and they, they're too stupid to read the whole thing. It's, it's insanity. All right. The text of the 25th amendment. Now pay attention to this one. This one has some, uh, some serious importance, especially considering the brain dead, probably bed bug ridden nutcase that's in our office right now. <coughs> Excuse me. So pay attention. Section one, 25th Amendment. In case of the removal of the president from office or of his death or resignation, the vice president shall become president. Most people know that. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. So I've, I've been pretty... I went through a, a, a month long like sickness and it keeps kind of hitting me, especially when I do a lot of talking. So I apologize for the coughing, trying to do it away from the mic. <clears throat> Section two. Whenever there is a vacancy in the office of the vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who shall take office upon confirmation by a majority of both houses of Congress. So say Kamala Harris got removed or died or for whatever reason, Kamala Harris disappeared off the face of the earth. There's no vice president. There's only Biden. Biden could nominate somebody and then it has to be approved by a majority of the Senate and the House of Representatives. Section three, whenever the president transmits to the president pro tempore of the Senate, and the Speaker of the House of Representatives, his written declaration that he is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, and until he transmits them to them a written declaration to the contrary, such powers and duties shall be discharged by the Vice President as acting President. So if the President sends a letter to Congress and says, I can't carry out my duties, between that time and the time he sends a letter back saying, I can now, the vice president's in charge. Most people know this. <clears throat> Section four, whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of such other body as Congress may by law provide, transmit to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives, their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. Vice president or certain people of the executive branch or somebody else that Congress writes a law and says is able to do this, they can send a letter to Congress and say, Biden can't carry out his duties. Then the vice president will immediately assume the powers. 
Thereafter, when the president transmits to the president pro tempore of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives his written declaration that no inability exists, he shall resume the powers and duties of his office unless the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive department or of such other body as Congress may law provide transmit within four days to the president pro tempore of the Senate and Speaker of the House of Representatives, their written declaration, the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. Thereupon, Congress shall decide the issue, assembling within 48 hours for that purpose, if not in session. So if the president writes a letter and says, hey, I can't carry out my duties, but the vice president and a majority of, of some people in the executive department within four days of the president saying he can, if they say, no, he can't, then Congress has to get together, whether they're in session or not, and they have 48 hours to decide what to do, to either leave the president in, to remove him and put somebody else in, whatever. If the Congress, within 21 days after receipt of the latter written declaration, which would be, the declaration that the president can't carry out his powers. If within 21 days after the receipt of that letter, Congress is not a section session within 21 days after Congress is required to assemble determines by two thirds vote of both houses that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The vice president shall continue to discharge the same as acting president. Otherwise the president shall resume the powers and duties of his office. 25th Amendment is a large mouthful, and it says it's got a few lines in there. It just repeats, uh, but it's it's basically saying if the president can't carry out his duties, he's got to go. The vice president takes over. Uh, he can submit that letter himself. That letter can come from the vice president and a majority of some people in the executive uh, branch. It can come from Congress. It can come from different places. Um, if the president says he can resume, his duties yet there's a dispute within the executive branch and they say he can't then Congress has to get together and decide what to do. <clears throat> so it was passed in order to clarify what happens upon the death removal or resignation of the president or vice president and how the presidency is temporarily filled. If president becomes disabled and cannot fulfill his responsibilities. The plan of succession has been frequently necessary. Eight presidents have died in office. One president, Nixon, resigned. Similarly, on seven occasions, the vice president has died in office, and one vice president, Spiro Agnew, resigned in the middle of his term. For nearly 20% of U.S. history, there has been no vice president in office who can assume the presidency. Two more amendments, guys. 26th Amendment, much shorter. The right of citizens of the United States who are 18 years of age or older to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of age. The Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. That's pretty straightforward. It just gives people, everybody, 18 and older, the right to vote. Um. <clears throat> I mean, they're they're trying to lower it to 16, yet they raise the age to buy cigarettes to 21. Uh, it makes no sense. So, you know, that's basically saying 
any citizen, regardless of sex, religion, skin tone, whatever, if you're 18 or older, you have the right to vote and it cannot be abridged or trampled on in the United States by the United States or any state. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. And lastly, the 27th Amendment. No law varying the compensation for the services of the senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened. 27th Amendment prevents members of Congress from granting themselves pay raises during the current session. Any raises that are adopted must take effect during the next session of Congress. The amendment was introduced in Congress in in 1789 by James Madison, sent to the states for ratification at that time. It wasn't until 1992 that the right number of states were able to ratify the measure. And obviously the public is not happy about that because we're letting people vote to give themselves pay raises. It's like, um, (laughs) it's kind of like, if you've ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean where they have their pirate gathering and they vote on a pirate king and they they say the pirates always vote for themselves. I mean, that's what this is, essentially, the 27th Amendment. They're always going to vote. You know, if if somebody brings it up and brings it to the floor, it's going to go to a vote and they're going to vote yes for a pay raise. It's just going to happen. The only thing is it can't take effect until next session. Uh, they make $174,500 a year right now. Uh, and, and that's current. I think the next, I think they've already voted for a pay raise. I'm pretty sure. And so next session will be more, but they're making nearly $200,000 a year just from their salary. That doesn't include other stuff, other income that they're getting. They're doing okay already. It's not going to hurt them to wait 365, not even 365 days, you know, six months up to a year to take their pay raise. That's not going to hurt them. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's bought a, like a, was it either 11 or 25 million. I told you about it a couple of weeks ago. A, a multi-million dollar mansion in Florida. She don't care to wait a little while. And these people are doing stuff like this, yet still voting on pay raises. I think we need to make an an amendment that says Congress must abide by the same health care laws, same laws, everything as the rest of us. They can't give themselves special health care and special privileges and things like that. We need to vote on something like that. make them have to deal with Obamacare because they're not under Obamacare. I mean, it's a lot better now that Trump was there, but this kind of stuff needs to happen. Congress should have to live under the same exact circumstances, situations that everyday Americans are just saying, all right, guys, that's, that's it for constitutional amendments. So we're going to come back around, maybe not next week, maybe wait another week to do our need to know on some of the articles, uh, maybe start hitting some of the history, but that's it for the constitutional amendment. So if you are not 
super familiar with the amendments, go back, listen to the ones that have the title of, you know, such and such number of amendments. Uh, listen to them, learn a little bit about the amendments. The other ones are after a daily shot. I think, I think they all are, but either way, if they're not just scroll forward until you hear me start talking about the first amendment listed in the title. Um, but I appreciate you guys listening. Hope you have a great Thursday. Great weekend. I will be back at you Tuesday with your next weekly booster on the news. Have a good one.